Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. We are a community of people learning the way of Jesus to bless our city of Boise, Idaho, and beyond. Redemption Hill is a unique place. We are a collective of micro churches that do life together throughout the week and gather on Sundays to grow, worship, and celebrate what God is doing in our city. You are invited to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. in the Boise Friends Church Gymnasium, where you can find the community you need in any season of your life. More details can be found at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the teaching segment from this week's Sunday Gathering. Afterwards, stay tuned for more information on how to get connected at Redemption. My name's Robert Frazier, and uh, I've been a part of the syndicate. Dusty and I got together to pray two years ago during the middle of uh, the pandemic, and God was shaping some moments for us. He was, he was putting us in a spot where we didn't have another opportunity. We, we had to become microchurches because that's all we had. That's all God had for us. And we believe that it was a, a way for God to move us into our true identity as a community to help us live the missional thing that God had called us to. My wife, Malia, and I, we moved to Boise in 2016. Moved back to Boise. I'm, I'm from Boise. And uh, as we were preparing to plant, what church planners do, because they don't have anything to do a lot of times, and so what they do is they sit on their computer and they, they Google things. That's what most church planners do. They sit around and they Google things. And uh, I was just, uh, you know, y- you feel like, okay, I should know the city that we're trying to reach. We're trying to figure out where God's going to send us, and we're looking at Boise. And we start to look at the numbers, and what we realize is that what we thought Boise was, what we thought the valley was, wasn't true. Having grown up here, you have your experience in your neighborhood with your people, and you expect it to be what it is. And uh, I grew up in the West Bench in the 90s, and then I went to Eagle High School. So I thought everybody on earth was Mormon in our town. I don't know if you, if you feel that. Some of you who live out in West Ada probably still feel that. Um, but it's different when you look at the numbers. We looked at the numbers and said, well, it's, Boise has one of the lowest rates of religious identity in the country. More people say none of the above a majority of people, almost 60% of people in, in our valley say none of the above when you ask them, what religion or faith are you? 60%. Um, when you look at the number, when, when we look at across the whole valley, every single church, every single seat that's in every church, we think that around somewhere between 5 and 7% of people in our city are in a gospel church in a given week. 5 to 7%. Only 12% call themselves Protestant. Uh, about 13% call themselves Mormon in Ada County. If that surprise you, only 13, 13.5%. Um, another 12.5% are Catholic or quote-unquote other. <laughs> um, but of those almost 60% of people who say none of the above, a huge portion of those are people who say, I used to follow Jesus, or I used to be a part of a lot of times fundamentalist Christian identity. Um, and a large number of them are ex-Mormons who have walked away. Uh, I grew up at a high school that was probably close to 70% Mormon, and a massive number of people that I went to school with just walked away and said, I'm out, where a generation ago that wouldn't have happened. If you, if you hang out with teenagers, which I do from time to time, and you start to get into the religious lives of teenagers, what you realize is that even if 5 to 7% of people in our city are religious, it's even a smaller percent of kids between 13 and 18. 
probably closer to three or four percent are engaged in their spiritual lives. Um, we estimate 25 years ago, I was sitting with a group of us who have been around for a while. 25 years ago, there were almost 50 full-time youth pastors in the Treasure Valley. We can't find 20 today. 50 in the 90s, less than 20 today. All that to say, uh, it wasn't even looking at the numbers that broke us to, to come and pour our lives into Boise. It was the stories of friends and the faces of work colleagues. It was the nurses at the children's hospital that we had prayed alongside for years. It was young adults that I had coached in soccer. It was neighbors and high school friends and college friends. So many were alienated from their faith, not even willing to think about being a part of most any institution, let alone the church. And our hope was that we could create space, a community where they could experience God and see their faith come back to life in healthy, beautiful ways. Some days I, I, I lose faith in that, but I still believe that that's what God wants to do. Malia and I, we spent 10 years as missionaries to high school students with Campus Crusade. We'd go to their campuses, we'd coach their teams, we'd eat lunch in their cafeterias, we'd go to their high school musicals, we'd sit in coffee shops in TCBY and tell them about the God who made them, who died to buy them and to save them, and we would tell them that God had a plan for their lives and that it started today. And these teenagers, I gotta tell you, they believed us. They jumped in, they told their friends about Jesus. We had hundreds of kids at dozens of schools. They learned to live as missionaries. They shared their faith. They served their community. They grew in knowledge and stature before the Lord. They led Bible studies. They planned events. They went as missionaries across oceans and told teens around the world the life-saving message of Jesus. And then these students became adults and you know what we did? We said, you should go find a church. And they went and they found churches and uh, all across the country, these churches, they invited them in, they welcomed them to their community, and then they told them, we have important work for you to do. On Sunday, from 9 to 10.30, we would like you to sit in this classroom with 10 kids. Or we'd love for you to hand out bulletins at the front door. Or if you're really charismatic and you could help us grow our, our ministry, we'd love to put you up front on stage because you're beautiful, we want you up there. And you're young, and it makes us feel good. And all these kids who had been living as missionaries, living into the calling that God had given them, they looked around and they said, this is it? This is all that there is for me? Is to do some church chores on Sunday and help put on an organization so that some guy up front can do all the good stuff? They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. Surprise, unsurprisingly, they opted out. We taught them a way of following Jesus that was exciting and important and life-altering, and they weren't going to go back to just playing church. And as we've been living as missionaries back in Boise these last six years, what we've seen is that some people are all in, and they're ready to live this adventure of walking with God, and they jump in with what we're doing. And others, there's some people who are showing up expecting to play church, and they're complaining about the music, and they expect me as their pastor to be their pet. And they play theological games about how to describe the process of justification. They don't last very long around, around your communities, is my guess. Because they just want to play church. We realized some things had to change. And a, a few of us who understood that the church doesn't have a mission, but that God's mission has a church, that we are his sent people, 
we started to gather and pray for renewal in our city, to learn from one another, to work to train people to follow Jesus in the way of Jesus. You see, Jesus had the same issues that we have when we're inviting people to be a part of this thing. In the first century, there were these guardians, the Pharisees, who were trying to preserve this second temple Judaism from the Roman oppressors who were coming in. And Jesus was trying to protect his people from that Judaism. The painful demands of the Pharisees to follow these 900 laws of religion. But he had to teach them a different way to be a disciple of the rabbi and a different way to be a part of God's kingdom. Jesus was probably a little tired of, uh, you got to imagine he's got these teenage boys hanging out with him. And every once in a while, he got tired of them. And so he'd send them out on mission. I think that's what happened. Like they, they would just be like, you know, they'd be having their third round of fart jokes. And he's like, okay, I've got a, I got a mission for you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you out. I'm going to go pray. Give me a little alone time. Jesus is probably a little tired of him. And he sends him out on this mission trip all alone. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. If you got your Bibles or your phones, pull it out. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, we get this little, this little vignette of Jesus sending out his disciples. And this is pretty early on in his ministry, right after his, um, his masterpiece of the Sermon on the Mount. Now that they've kind of gotten what it, what it means to follow Jesus, he's sending them out. Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, it says this. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Now, he calls them apostles here. Why? Because apostle means missionary. He's like, he's, he's basically calling them, hey, he sent out these sent ones, okay? He sent out these sent ones with his instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your belts, no gold, no silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't be lazy. You don't need a walking stick. You're just fine. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. And if it's not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake your dust from, the feet, from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. So Jesus shares these instructions to his scared little teenagers. You know that they're like, okay, Jesus, we're going to go on a mission. We're ready for this. Let's do this thing. And this is something that they can handle, though. This is not... This is not too much for teenagers. Teenage boys in the first century, they could do this. And what he told them to do is this. It's really simple. And it has to be simple because teenage boys are wonderful little knuckleheads. They're just the best little knuckleheads. But it has to be simple because they can't do more than a few things. And they have to write down the few things you give them. But here's what it says. So they take out their, their little uh, their rock with their papyri or whatever, and they're like writing down. Okay, go to where I'm sending you. Okay, so go, that's the first command, go where I'm sending you, which requires you to listen to where I said you're going to go, and you have to, Jesus probably had to say it twice, now what did I say, where did I send you, okay, you're going to go to the lost children of Israel, not to Samaritans, you're going to go to the lost children of Israel, okay, so go, that's the first one, go where I'm sending you, 
preach the gospel, and the gospel is the same from the start to the end of the Bible, and this is the gospel. Repent, the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's advancing in front of you. Repent, be ready, live the way God's called you to, okay? That's the gospel. The kingdom's coming, act accordingly. So go, preach the gospel, demonstrate it in power and generosity, okay? So you're going to show people what the kingdom can do, which is to bring healing, to bring freedom, to drive out demons, and to give generously to those in need. It's all of it. So you're preaching the gospel, you're giving away the power of the kingdom of God, and then you're showing them the generosity of the kingdom. All three are right there. So go, preach the gospel, demonstrate in power, rely on God to provide, go, so rely on people to provide, like this is a really simple thing, but he's telling them, go and trust me for what you need. I'm going to provide for you. You don't need to wait six weeks because there was probably Judas over there going, well, I looked through the purse and we got to raise another $100,000 before we can go out on mission. And Jesus is like, no, Judas, quit trying to steal everybody's money. Ooh, it's getting, it's getting good over there. There's, there's food cooking. Now I got to hurry. All right. So he tells him, go, God's going to provide, and then go where the people are ready and leave if they don't. And this is important. Go where the people are ready to receive you. Leave if they're not ready. Now, we are, um, we love hard things because we've been, our culture has told us hard things, doing them brings honor. And so if you choose hard things and do them well, you will get honor. That's what our world tells us, okay? And Jesus knows that. That was true in the first century. The Pharisees were driving that same narrative. But he's like, hey, don't try to push your way in. When you show up, if they're ready, give it to them. If you don't, just walk out. I love how simple it is. There's, there's honor to the work. It feels attainable. It's this daily obedience of listen to God, do what he says, and if they're not ready, go to the next place. Like, I, I think that we complicate everything. We want to create 40-page strategy documents, and we want to make sure that we have all the funding in place, and we want to, you know, build teams and train them over a four-year period to make sure that they're ready to go out. And Jesus is like, here's some teenage boys. I gave them as little as possible, and we're going to see what happens, because that's when the kingdom starts to emerge is when God's people step out in faith and do what he calls them to. And then Jesus lays down some, some real challenges so they, can, so they can understand what the cost is to them. Verse 37 of chapter 10. And he says, if you love your father or your mother, do more than you love me. You're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you're going to find it. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a, right, a reward like theirs. And if given even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. Now, there's a lot here, but Jesus is telling his, his apostles, the missionaries he's sending out, there's going to be opposition. And it's not going to be out there. It's going to be in your family. Because they're going to know, like, what, what these people are doing is embarrassing. 
Jesus was a different kind of rabbi, and he was challenging the status quo, and the Pharisees were against them. And so when the disciples went out, the family said, do not embarrass us. This brings shame on our family for you to challenge the power structures of Israel. There's going to be opposition, even and especially in your family, and you know what it's going to cost you, but you really won't know until the moment that it's on the line. But Jesus gives this promise as a part of it. This is all about loyalty. He's asking them, who's in charge of your life? Is he the king who gets to give you orders and tell you what to do? Or is your family your Lord? All of us have some of those same things in our lives, the places where we're still not saying yes to Jesus because there's something in the background that's calling us back. And what Jesus is saying is that when your family gives you up, when your community gives you up, when they push you out because of your following of Jesus, Jesus is saying, you belong to my family now. When he says that if someone blesses you, they will be blessed, what he's saying is that God's kingdom is providing and he's blessing you because you're a part of his family. He's saying that if someone curses you, the king of glory is going to curse the person who curses you because you are coming against the family of God. It, it, feels, it feels like such religious language, but Jesus is saying primarily, you belong to me now. If you join me on mission, if you step out and do what I say, if you take hold of this calling, he's going to be with you. He's going to provide for you. You're going to have everything that you need. So it, it keeps going. In chapter 11, John the Baptist reaches out to confirm that Jesus is the Lord, the king that he's been waiting for. He's looking for this sign Jesus gives this roadmap that the good news of the kingdom does not come dressed in glory, but in servanthood with real spiritual power. And then the best news possible for missionaries comes in chapter 11. So we're going to go to chapter 11, verse 25. At the time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Matthew eleven twenty-five. 25. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. Now, I think he's speaking, when he says childlike, he's talking about these teenagers that are his apostles. These young kids who have taken the hold of the mantle of his yoke. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father. No one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the, Father, the Son chooses to reveal him. And then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. This is a different kind of yoke that comes from Jesus. The Pharisees wanted to heap on burdens onto their people. They wanted to make them feel like if they did all the religious things just right, then they will have earned their way into God's household. And they believed that if all of Israel would follow the law, the kingdom of God would come through their righteousness and through their good works. But Jesus had a different kind of yoke than the Pharisees. It wasn't a yoke of burden. It wasn't a yoke of 
hard work. It was a yoke that was easy and a yoke that was light. What's a yoke? A yoke is a set of teachings. It's, it's what you strap on when you become a disciple. You put it on your neck, it becomes how you are formed and shaped. The way of Jesus is a way that you're being formed and shaped. And his, his kind of yoke was different. It's a different kind of yoke than the evangelical consumer churches in our world that push their staff and their key volunteers to get bigger, do it in a harder way, and, and do it in a way that brings them glory. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been a part of a church that's ambitious, they probably burned you out. There's a lot of churches who are, who, it's all about growth and it's all about numbers and it's all about figuring out how to get as many people here so that the finances work and make it as efficient as possible so only a few people have to serve and then we're just going to kill those people as they serve for us. We're going to crucify the staff and we're going to crucify the key volunteers on behalf of me consuming this religious service that's being provided when I show up. But the yoke of Jesus is different. The mission he calls us on is simple, and it's beautiful. We have this big, important, we think, calling and mission and vision as the syndicate. What we'd like to see is that every neighborhood of a 1,000 people in the valley has a, a little mission outpost, a family, a group of families who are going to say, everyone in my neighborhood is going to know Jesus. Even if they don't follow Jesus, they're going to know that Jesus loves them. They're going to know somebody who loves them because of Jesus. We need 800 to 1,000 missionary couples who are going to say, I'm going to go where God calls me, and I'm going to live on mission where he's placed me. It's a, it's a big mission, and we have a long ways to go, you know? There's, what, a couple hundred of us here, and it's a good start, but there's a lot of work left to do in our city. There's a lot of people who do not know someone who loves them and loves Jesus. Even our microchurch, our microchurch summit yesterday, that was awesome to be together and train together. It's, it, it can feel like there's a lot to do. It can feel like the, the mission out there is so big. But I love the way that Jesus gives this mission to his teenagers, and he keeps it simple, and he says, hey, go where I tell you. Preach the gospel. Let people experience the kingdom of God. And if they receive it, stay. And if they don't, go. I think that's something all of us can do, right? It's real simple. And it's filled with this grace of God that says we have enough for the thing that he's called us to. Anytime you feel like you don't have enough time, you don't have enough money, or you don't have enough energy, the answer isn't that God didn't give you enough time, enough money, and enough energy for what he's called you to. The answer is you're doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing, and you feel anxiety about things that you're not supposed to feel anxiety about. Because everything that God has called you to, he has empowered you. He's equipped you. He's called you. He's given you daily graces of energy and money and time for the thing he's called you to. As Americans, as kind of German-thinking Westerns, we love challenge and hard work. We want to feel valuable. And our Puritan past in the North, we love rules. We like to make things clear. Lots of Lots of you would rather, you, lots of you would have probably really liked the Pharisees. Who would have, like, dug the rules of the Pharisees? You could raise your hand. Like, there's some of you, like, there's some, you know, Enneagram 1s and 3s out there who are like, yes, I appreciated their attention to detail. And you, you loved that. You're pro I mean, we probably have fewer in this crowd because the syndicate's a little 
a little uh, anti-authoritarian, if you will. Uh, we, we are different than most places. But some of you would have said, I like that because it's clear. But discipleship with Jesus is not like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, it was technical. It was memorization. It was the clear win of people doing what you tell them to do so that the kingdom would come through your obedience and your righteousness. But the Jesus way is so radically different. So what does it mean that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? It looks like this. His grace is sufficient for today. For the work that he has for you today, he's given you what you need. There's daily provision. He says, give us today our daily bread, and you have enough for the things he's called you to today. He's going to provide for what's in front of you. That's an easy yoke and a light burden. I don't have to worry about the 800th missionary we send. I got to worry about the one that's in front of me today. Okay? There's daily instruction from his Holy Spirit. We receive instructions from him, from his word, and from his voice, and from his people, and we do what he calls us to today, because I can't obey tomorrow. Did you know that? You cannot obey tomorrow. You can only obey today. Today's the only moment that has ever existed where you have agency, and the only time you can obey is right this moment, and that's the invitation that you have as followers of Jesus is to receive what he has for you today and obey today what he's put in front of you. We have assurance from Jesus that his kingdom is coming in its power. We see it come in spurts and starts and a not yet kind of way, but the kingdom is slowly advancing and it's multiplying like yeast and like a mustard seed that grows bigger than any of the other plants. His yoke looks like this. We have an important role, but it's a responsive role to Jesus. Our role is not to initiate and to make the kingdom happen. Our role is to look around and see where God's at work and join him in the work that he's already up to. And so you don't have to get out there and make anything happen. Now, this is a pain to me because I want to make things happen. That's all I want to do. I just want to, like, every day wake up and make something happen in the world. That's, I love doing that. It's my favorite thing. But my work as a follower of Jesus is to be responsive to his calling. Jesus did not save the world on his own. He saved us from, his, from our sins with his work, but he chose to empower the next generation to be the one that would bring the gospel to the world. Jesus didn't have a Messiah complex. He's probably the only person in humanity that never had a Messiah complex. He didn't feel the need to make sure that the whole world knew about him. That's weird, right? Like if, if you were Jesus, you would have been like, I need more time, God. I haven't been to China. I haven't been to Africa. I haven't been to Europe. Like, there's a big world. I haven't been to North America. I haven't been to South America. I haven't been to the Arctic. I mean, Jesus would, would I would have been like, I need more time. I got to get out there. But Jesus understood that he had a particular role to play, which was a catalytic role in the lives of these 12, 72, 120 people who are his disciples. And so we can trust that tomorrow's work is for tomorrow's people. Simple, light, and easy kind of a burden. So we need to stop doing the stuff that doesn't matter for the people who won't notice to assuage our performance, anxiety, and our guilt. Can I get an amen? We need to stop doing the things that don't matter. We need to set aside the heavy burdens and the, and the painful yoke of the Pharisees. That little Pharisee that lives in the back of your head and tells you you're not doing enough. That little Pharisee that sits on your shoulder and tells you lies about how lazy you are. 
So let's take a moment right now. I want you to think of all of Jesus' teachings, everything we know about him from the New Testament, and I want you to think about that one time when he was in a hurry. Oh, wait, no, that's not there. Okay, that one time he had like really extreme anxiety about not doing enough work in the day. That's not there either. Was he ever not sure that the Father would provide for him? The way of Jesus is this deep assurance that the kingdom is coming because our Father has it in hand. So take a deep breath. In and out. The way of Jesus is a light yoke of simplicity and an easy burden of daily obedience. We can play. We can take care of our bodies. We can laugh. We can mourn with those who mourn. We can weep with those who weep. We can teach those who struggle. We have space for those who are burdened in our lives. We stop along the road for those who are beaten because we have space for today's work. We can clothe those who are naked because I'm not busy for my next appointment. I'm taking the work that God has put in front of me. I can give a drink to the thirsty because I have space for the light and easy yoke, the work that's in front of me. None of it has to be a burden because God gives us what we need to obey each day. This can give us, I think, a courage. We can take on the challenges of each day knowing that God will provide. This gives us the strength because we only have enough energy, money, or focus for the task that God has given us. We talk a lot about missionaries and being a missionary around our collectives and microchurches. We have our missionary pathway training, and we invite you to sign our missionary covenant because all followers of Jesus are missionaries. Jesus was the sent God, sending his people. All missionary means is just sent one. And the one who understands their mission and goes where they are told. And that is what it means to be a missionary. It's not that you have to go make something happen. It's that we're responding to God. But this is at odds with this radical, self-expressive individualism of our world. A lot of people want to do their thing and follow Jesus still. But if you follow Jesus, the yoke of his teaching is going to shape you to belong to his kingdom. That's why we don't like the easy yoke that Jesus has for us. Because the easy yoke is going to require us to be transformed. The light burden is going to make us lay down our, our pride and our, our belief that we can do these things. So there's, there's two things I want you to take away today. And I'm, I'm getting close. You ready? We're almost done. First is this. The yoke of Jesus is easy and light. This comes with an invitation to access and community with the Father and with his people and challenge because it means that every day you have to obey. You can't, you can't just obey on one day and then not obey the next day and then maybe in the future obey a different day. Like it's, it's just today. That's all the only day you get. You step in and you take the calling that God's given you for that day. And the second is this. When you take up the yoke of Jesus... Obedience to Jesus always looks like the calling of the disciples to go where he sent us, to listen and obey, to see the kingdom of God come through power, to preach the gospel, to only go where there's fruit, and to walk away when people aren't ready. That's freeing, right? If you can walk away when people reject the gospel and be like, this isn't my work. It's work for another day. Today's work I've done. They're not ready, and he's going to leave that for the next people who are going to come along. 
listen, go, do, and then rest knowing that our work is not what's going to save the world around us. Our work is just going to participate in the work that God is already doing in the world. If you do have in front of you, I want to, I want to invite you to something. In the middle of your bulletin or on the website, thesyndicateboise.org, you can click the bulletin on the button on the front page. In the very middle of this, it says the Syndicate Missionary Covenant. And we've been, we've been working alongside a national network of uh, missional Christians like us that are part of this network called the Underground. Um, and this is something that they have been working on and we have adapted for our context. And what this is, is it's a way for us to be clear about who we are and what we do. And I want to challenge you to take a minute right now and I want you to read through this. This is about what it means to be one of those people who's going to commit to be a missionary. And the commitment is just a one-year commitment because you don't know what the future holds, okay? We're going to ask you for a one-year commitment to take hold of your missionary identity. It looks like growing in your faith, living in community, being a part of a microchurch, maintaining the way of Jesus in your life, sitting under... Uh, mutual submission to one another um, and it looks like supporting and being a part of this movement that God is growing in our city um, and I, I think that there's there's more to come this is just the beginning but I want to challenge you to read this and if this is where you're at and you're saying you know what God has called me I have received the work of of Jesus on the cross as payment for my sin and I am stepping into the calling that he's given me as a missionary, then this is something where you, where you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a stand and I'm going to step out as a part of a community to say, the gospel's at work in my city. I'm going to see where, it's, where God's working. I'm going to join him in it. That's all, that's all being a missionary is. It's not going and I'm not, I'm not telling you to go start a mega church. No one asked you to do that, okay? I'm, I'm not telling you to go, um, you know, sell everything and feed people out of a food truck on the street. Oh, that'd be cool, man. Go for it if that's what God tells you to do. But you need to be responsive to the Father and do what he tells you to. That's what the missionary commitment is. And there is on the very back of your, um, of your deal, there's a QR code and a website, thesyndicateboise.org slash covenant. And you don't have to be a part of one of our micro churches to sign this. You do not have to, um, you do not have to be a part of any organization, this is not, a, this, you're not signing up for the organization, you're signing up for the, being a part of the mission and the kingdom of God. And so if, if you want to sign this and say, I'm ready to dive in, then all that means is that you're going to hear within our micro churches ways that you can be trained and equipped and called to do what God's called you to. And we're excited to see how that grows within our network. Um, in our in our Redemption Hill community, this is kind of primarily how we see our membership is those who have committed to this are a part of the membership that we draw upon. We don't, we don't have a lot of formality around our membership, but we know that you're in and that you're a part of what God's calling us to because you've said, this is who we are. This is what we've done. And I know Sojourn has, has that too, and some of, some of the others are starting to use that. So this is just an invitation to you to respond to God and say, I want your light and easy yoke and burden rather than the heaviness that I've been carrying. It's just opening up your hand and saying, I want the way of Jesus, not my way. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. We've got a couple more songs. We're not going to do communion this year because we're afraid a guy's going to run up and try to stop our service in the middle. 
<laughs> if you weren't here last year, it was great. It was we we booked this area for the whole day, so there's there's no one coming after us. We got lots of time. Um, we got two more songs, and then we're gonna pray for one another, and then it's baptism time. Who's ready for some baptism? I I love baptism. One of my favorite things. All right, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are not a slave driver. Thank you that you are not a demanding overlord, but that you are a kind and generous God who knows our burdens, who has stepped every step we've ever taken, who has gone before us and died on our behalf to show us the way to life through death. Thank you that you gave us a yoke that is attainable by your Spirit's power. Thank you that you've given us a burden that's not too heavy for us. And thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit as the paraclete, the one who comes alongside and lifts us up as we do the work that you've called us to. Lord God, I pray for all my friends here who feel heavy yokes and aching burdens. We pray, God, that you would lift those from us, that you would take them out of our hands, you'd rip them from us and free us from the entanglements of this world. Free us from the lies of, of the dark one who constantly is telling us you're not enough. God, we have enough because we have you. Lord God, give us everything we need to do what you've called us to. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the Connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at Redemption Boise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.